I always think about that because when Jesus preached, he would sit down and everybody else would stand up. But I'm not Jesus, so you may sit down. Uh, I'm not really sure. If that, was that really me who was in that lake in that canoe? I, I think that was some... Uh, you were there, that's right. I, I just want to let you know that I don't control everything at Grace Hills Church because that would have somehow not got into that video. Uh, but it's great to enjoy life together and uh, have fun together and sometimes uh, build new experiences. Uh, as uh, we were praying and pl- uh, planning for our Vision Sunday, uh, we want to have the opportunity to look back at what God has been doing, looking forward, a little forward to what God is going to do, and hopefully you've had an opportunity to look at the annual report and some of the new ministries that uh, we're planning for 2014, as well as uh, some other things that we'll get on uh, the agenda as we seek to move out to go chase another chariot for God. But as we were thinking about possibly having a, a theme for 2014, and uh, sharing a little bit with the elders, uh, I came across uh, the whole idea of looking at worship being a central theme of what God's people are to be all about. And it's really the first statement in our, in our purpose statement, to honor God, which is really another synonym for what it means to worship. You can use a variety of ways to describe what it means, and we try to put that on the video this morning, uh, about coming to that place where you are worshiping God. Uh, even as we've heard... Um, um, Brandon shared this morning, another way you could express that, it's coming to that place where you love God. Uh, another word, kind of a religious word that's used uh, often in the New Testament, it's, it's coming to that place where you live to give God glory. Uh, that's what worship is all about. It's also describing the whole idea of finding in the person of God your greatest source of joy, uh, where, where you celebrate God and, and the most inner part of who you are, recognizing he is, he is above all pursuits in life, the highest pursuit that you could dedicate your life toward. And then out, out of the overflow of your life, you, you, you want to live to know him in a deeper way and to serve him more faithfully. And, and so the, that's really the passion as we go into 2014, whether it be in your home or w- whether we gather together corporately or whether individually or the place where you work or, or go to school, is that, that you live a life of worship. And so this morning, that, that's, uh, that's really what we're going to emphasize as we kind of look into 2014. And, and really, uh, since we're ending up the kind of the Olympic uh, year, as far as I think that today's the closing ceremonies, uh, really, we really believe that, and I've already mentioned that, the ultimate joy comes from a relationship with God. It's that new word I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. It, it, it's what spoice is all about. It's, it's that experience where you win the gold medal, at, you know, in some kind of uh, snowboarding uh, venue in which you, you reach the height of, of what you've dedicated your entire life for. And it doesn't get any better than this. But it's not just a moment experience. It's a moment-by-moment moment experience where you can experience God in His fullness. And it doesn't get any better than that. But as we think about living a life of worship, it, it's easier talked about than actually lived out. And so this morning, I want to begin, in fact, if some of you get nervous by my outlines, I know some of you have a tendency to do that, I just want to let you know that even though there's a lot on it, I'm going to give you a longer introduction, and then we're going to just kind of touch down on some of those things in your outline. But as I was thinking about living a life of worship, where it really becomes real, I wanted us to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus kind of spoke into a person's life and really wanted to make sure they understood it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. If not, uh, just listen with me as, as I share some things with you. Uh, and then I, I really want to touch down so that we, we get an idea what that means. Uh, this is a place where you 
think about worship, but do we really understand what it's, what it's all about? Uh, Jesus encountered people of all kinds of walks of life, and I really appreciated what Brandon shared, is that you know, people come from a variety of experiences as they begin to encounter God, and whether they're little souls, as you're talking about children, or whether they, they grow up to be mature, uh, seasoned veterans uh, in terms as we grow older, or somewhere in between, or whether you're battling this morning because there's a lot of pain in your life. Uh, maybe there's some relationships that are becoming fractured. Uh, maybe there's some health issues that you've just encountered where you, you see little hope. Uh, whether it's just questions you have that you don't see an answer is going to come, is that this is, this is where we truly meet God, that He is the source of, of what life is really all about. Well, Jesus encountered a woman at the well in which um, she had experienced life in many, many ways. In fact, he asked her, he said, well, can you introduce me to your husband? And he says, well, and she had already had five. And the one she was living with was not in that kind of relationship. But Jesus went beyond where she had been to speak about where she is and where she could be. And she began to, he began to speak into her life. And what she did is, what we often do is once we get close to hearing about God, we want to somehow change, this, change the subject because God's getting a little too close. And she wanted to go to the externals and argue about where's the best place to worship. And so we picked that up in John chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. And, and we had this conversation that Jesus had with her. Jesus said to her, woman, believe the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. And in case you don't kind of get the, the drift of this conversation, he said, you've got it, you've got, you've got it all wrong. Worship is not fundamentally a question about where you're encountering God. And some people, that's, that's the question. Well, you know, where do you go to church? Or where, where do you feel closer to God? Is it, is it up in the mountains? Or is it by a seashore where you've seen the sunrise or the sunset? Or, or is it on the golf course? Or where, you know, where, where do you feel closest to God? And whenever we go into those kind of, uh, of questions about our experience of of meeting the higher power, we, we miss it. It's not a location. And even as God in his covenant relationship with his people in Israel, it wasn't about Jerusalem. It was about the heart. And so what do I want to speak to all of us this morning? It, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. And it's about what is worship. And it's about how you worship. So Jesus, Jesus goes on and he speaks into this woman who, who later on, the good, good news of this story, which we won't end, end with, but she gets it. And I hope all of us gets it this morning. Progressively, where it's not just checking off the, the worship box, but saying, this, this, is, this is my life, is to... To find my greatest source of joy, to celebrate the one who gave me life, to, to express love to him in a deeper, deeper way, to, 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 to experience what life is all about because he's the giver of life. He goes on and says, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation as, of the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worship, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. See, worship really is about not where you worship, but who are you worshiping? Uh, there, are, there are a lot of us who, at various points in our life, are pursuing happiness or joy or fulfillment or 
significance, whatever it might be, and it's, it's, it's in things. Or maybe people with flesh on, or it's the escape from whatever issue we're running from. And, 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 and Jesus is saying to this woman who has experienced it pretty much it all, it, it's, it's coming to that place, it's, it's knowing who you need to find your joy and love and celebration of life in. It's, it's all about who you worship. See, God fully revealed himself, and we celebrate that at Christmas, and we, we celebrate the, the confirmation of that at Easter, but it's, it's finding that in Jesus is what life is all about. So it's who you worship. But it's also what is worship. Worship, as, as we see in these words of Jesus, you need to worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. In many ways, you can describe, again, what it means to connect with God. You can say well, it's, it's people who really believe and trust in Jesus, and that's true. It's people who really love Jesus, and that's true. But you could also say it's people who truly worship Jesus. That's, that's who God is seeking. People who will rightly see that he is the one to be magnified in life. It's, it's not ourselves. It's not about self-fulfillment. It's, it's the fulfillment of, of God's plan on this planet and participating in what he is doing in this universe. It's, it's seeing it's not about us, it's about him. He's seeking those who will worship him. And God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So in 2014, and, and sorry, my, is I, my voice kind of graveling a little bit. I'm, I've been um, uh, struggling with some of that, which you've been infecting me with, all right? Um, but I, I think I sound a little bit worse than I am, uh, if that is possible. But anyway, uh, it, it's all about understanding not only who you worship, but, but what is worship, and then how to worship. As I was um, just thinking about that this week and just searching God's word and, and trying to come to grips with what that really means to, to go beyond, okay, who is we are to worship the true and living God, manifest completely and fully in Christ, the Son of God. Well, what is it? What, what is it I do when I worship? It seems so religious, kind of mystical and, and sort of... Uh, you know, out there, but what, what, what really is it? Well, as you know, you know, often I'm fascinated with words. You know, I, that's voice. I just want to be, I want to live a life filled with voice, utter joy. But, but beyond, you know, that, God has given his revelation in words. And when we think about what is worship, we don't have to guess at what it is because God is defining his unique use of a word. In the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, there's a word, and I'm going to give it to you, not that you need to memorize this word. It will not be on the test, but the meaning of it will be. The word for worship in the New Testament is the word proskuneo. And it's a compound word, which simply means this, that we are to bow down. We are to kneel before. And it was also used, we are to kiss the hand of a superior one. And really, that's, that's at the heart of worship. 
that we recognize that the one who has come to, for us to rescue us is, is worthy for us to bow down in adoration and recognize that he is fully worthy of our commitment and our obedience to him. It, it, it was, it's what the psalmist said in, in Psalm 95 as he speaks about this. And it's true both in the Old Testament and New Testament that at, at the heart of worship is seeing ourselves to be committed fully to him and, and bowing before who he is. In Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7, a familiar passage, it says this, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. In some churches, particularly more liturgical churches, they'll, they'll have kneeling benches. And at various points in the prayer time, they'll have you kneel at a, a place to give homage to God. But the issue is not the physical posture, but the posture within our heart. Do we see ourselves bowing before a supreme, superior being to ourselves? Oh, come let us worship together and bow down. Before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. There's another word for worship that that actually comes from our English word. It's an Anglo-Saxon word in, in which I think it also speaks about what true worship is. It, it comes from a word in which it means to to come and it, you can kind of get it from the word itself is to assign worth to someone. Now there's so many things in our life that we enjoy and, and that we cherish and that we value, and it could be the vehicle you drove in today with, it could be the house you live in, or it could be the vacation spot you like to go to. It could be simply that bed you like to take a nap in. It could be whatever it might be. It's something you place value in. It could be just peace and harmony. It could be someone coming to babysit your kids. I don't care what it is. It's, it's what you place value to. And we all have things that are important to us and, and give us life in, in a fuller way or, or at least in a joyful way in that moment. But what it's saying here in terms of what worship is, it's assigning the highest value to the most significant person in your life. And really, I, I say this often, if not every time I involve in a service to remember a person that we think more about life at, at death than any other time in life. And why is that? Because we realize it's not the things in our life that matter. It's the people in our life. And we value them because they've changed us. But what God wants us to come to that point is that we value him more than anything in life because that true is a source of full joy. And that's why, why, why Paul could say rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because that's what worship is, is assigning value to the one in whom, as the psalmist said in Psalm 1611, in him is fullness of joy. And, and when Jesus came, he said, I, I came to give you joy, not just joy, but full joy, not just joy, but full joy, but my joy. And so it's, it's assigning value, worth to God. And when all those things happen, then everything else comes alongside. Not necessarily simply or easily, without suffering or sacrifice, but that's where fullness of joy is. So what is worship? Worship is coming to that place where you, you bow down before a supreme being, a superior being to yourself, to myself. 
It's that place where you ascribe or you place value worship on. And see, that's why the Word of God is so primary because we can only truly worship when we understand the true value of who God is in His fullness and completeness. And when we do that, then we truly participate in worship when we understand God's bigness and His compassion and His mercy and His grace and His love. And then we want to do what we heard earlier is that we want to run down any chariot to express that message to another. So, so what is it that God has called us to do and to be? Among other things, he's called us to be worshipers. That bow down. That place worth or value, highest value upon him. And we live understanding it's not where we worship, but who we worship and understanding what worship is. But, but then, it, then it gets to that point, and I was thinking, it, it's, it's not simply gathering together to do, express that corporately. It's not simply giving God an hour a week, or an hour and a half, or depending on how long you preach, two hours, or three hours. No, it, it, it's, it's more than that. It, it's living a lifestyle of worship. And so this morning, this, and this is where I just want to touch down. I'm just to say, well, what does that look like if, if worship is an expression of life that, that is possible 24-7? And, and that's what we have this morning if you look at your outline. So the introduction is basically over, and uh, here we go. What is worship? And the title of this message is Acceptable Worshiping. Because, again, it's not where you worship, it's who you worship. It's understanding what is worship, but then it's how you worship. And all these are important because we can come to God and think we are worshiping because we're worshiping the true God. And we can understand what is the worship in terms of just conceptually. But if we're not doing these things, then it's, it's as, as God had his harshest re, uh, rebuke upon those who knew better. said, well, you worship me with your lips, but you don't worship me with your heart and your life. What is worship? Well, let's look at it. And what is acceptable worship? First of all, it's surrendering. It's surrendering. Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we'll look at some very familiar passages and we'll work at, look at them uh, quickly. And what, what I want you to see in each one of these passages, it just speaks about what is acceptable to God. And, and it's a word... That is often translated in the New Testament, what is well-pleasing to God. And anything that we do that pleases God is worship. It reflects back to him who he is because his followers are living that way. We reflect well on a person who's made a significant impact in our life when we, we live like they want us to live. That's true whether it's a parent to a child or a, an employee to an employer or a athlete to a coach, whatever it might be, we reflect on them when we live in a pleasing way to them. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of all the goodness, all the great things God has done, we never hear about what we are to do before we hear what God has already done, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
I don't know any better way to say worship is, is surrendering than say you need to place your life as a sacrifice on God's altar. God, I, I, I'm yours. And it is interesting here in, in a sense in which we think about the spiritual things. He, he gets very physical. I, I want you to give me your body. You know, we, we think about giving our, our hearts to God. But, you know, give your bod to God, all right? That, that, that our, our, our physical earth suit goes wherever we go and God wants us to take him with him. And so that whatever we're doing, it's, it's a reflection of who he is and we need to understand his presence is with us. And, and for that to be a, an act of worship is, is we come to that point where our bodies have been sacrificed to him, given to him, surrendered to him. And then it says, do not be conformed to this world. And that's a, that's a, that's a description of how you know you've given your, your life uh, to God fully. It's not like everything else that is found in this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is the active part of continually to make sure that your surrender is not a one-shot deal. It happens all the time because your mind will govern your actions. That you may prove that which is good and, what's the next word there? Acceptable. And if, if you want to take any notes this morning, simply circle the word acceptable when we look at these passages. The word acceptable there means well-pleasing. That when we surrender our lives, our wills, our agendas, our choices to God, that is an act of worship. It's not simply, um, as we're going to see in a moment, expressing worship of God through song. And that is one of the greatest ways is to praise God, and we're going to see that. But it begins, first of all, with surrendering. You know, who's really in charge? Who really is governing my life? Who, who, who really do I want to please more than anyone else? That's what is acceptable. That's what is well-pleasing. It's the word u-aresto. U means well, arestos means pleasing. This is pleasing well, well-pleasing to God. When we surrender ourselves to him, it's surrendering. Just touching base on the one that we most often relate to worship, which is, the idea of expressing that to him, and probably the easiest way we express that to him is in song, words of praise. It's praising. Uh, just reading the passage, Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. How, how big is our God? He is, he is, ever, he is forever. He's eternal. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord. Which, again, is at the heart of worship. It's, it's ascribing worth to God. It's not giving worth to God. He's already worthy. But for us to come to that point where we recognize it. To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. He's the creator. He's eternal. He's the creator. And by your will, they existed and were created. He's the sustainer. Now, there's a scribal error in my outlines. The next passage that we're going to see at the end of the message is not Acts 13, but Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. And we'll see that same word, acceptable or well-pleasing, associated with praising. So, so I guess to put it in shoe leather, if we go throughout a week and we don't reflect back to God words of praise, 
then, then we have not been worshiping. When we don't return back uh, credit due our, our heavenly God for whatever we've done, then we somehow have missed it. Have you noticed the controversy in, in some of the Olympic Games, uh, particularly those who aren't uh, uh, determined by did you cross the line before somebody else, you know, those type of events, that it gets down to the judgment of those who are put in the positions of being critics of whatever is being done on a half pike or whether it be on a, uh, on a it's not an ice pond, but a, a slab of ice. And after someone does whatever they do, the judges come in and they figure out what the artistic value of it was or the, the degree of difficulty, and then they come out with that number. And everybody is always convinced that whatever the judges put down there is right. Is that how that kind of goes? You know, th- there are people who are watch people competing, and, and they have to determine just how good they perform on that particular occasion before the world. You know, sometimes that's how we go through life. Yeah, we feel that somehow we're critiquing other people's performance. And quite frankly, sometimes we spend too much time critiquing our own performance. And really what would be interesting for those judges to do is, is, is not so much give credit to the ones who were able to twirl or do the whatever that uh, you do it three times. The, what do they call that? The triple Lutz or... Uh, whatever you know, or, and whether they, but rather than giving praise to the person who was able to do those magnificent things on that ice, but to give praise to the one who created that ice, or it come to that point where they recognize, you know, it's not only the one who was able to do so many things, amazing things, as they perform before a, a watching world, but rather than giving so much credit to them and all their their labor to come to that point, but to recognize that there was a God who gave them that ability to do all that they were able to do. Now, I think it's, 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 it's quite all right to have stages where people are praised for their skill and efforts. But let, let's, not be, let's not be surprised. Let, let, let's not be somehow um, confused with the abilities those people have. They, they came from somewhere. And, and he ultimately gets praise and glory. And so as so we go through life, let's, let's people be people who, who praise the creator of life, the sustainer of life, and the, and the one who gives us all things, and he gets all glory. What is worship? It's coming to that place where you are surrendering a life and you are praising a life. It's also that point where you are walking in the light. Look at Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. Paul writes this, For we were once in darkness, but now we are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is, what's the next word there? Acceptable in the Lord. He says that God's people are called to walk in the light. You know, again, let's let's get it down to a simplistic level. We live a life of worship when our lives manifest the character that God wants us to, to have as we represent Him. That we, we are not people who walk in darkness, but we, we walk in the light. And, and when, when we do things that tear other people down, when we participate in things that are dishonoring to God, that, that not, that's not only an issue of what's right and wrong, it's an issue of we are, we are not worshiping Him. We're, we're not living a life that honors Him. So, you know, 
there's no such thing as a, as a, as a person who's a jerk for Jesus, all right? And when we're not walking in the light, we're not living a life that brings honor and glory to him. What is worship? It's surrendering. It's, it's praising. It's walking like this is what is acceptable in God's eyes. It's living unselfishly. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy your food, the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let the good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace in the Holy Spirit. And then here's the statement. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. What is worship? It's living unselfishly. That's not easy to do, is it? We, we are wired in such a thing that we always evaluate, well, what is it in for me? <coughs> How is what somebody else doing hurting my feelings? It's not about how, how am I living for someone else, <coughs> but how is someone living for me? And so we must think that <coughs> if we live for Christ, it's taking on his example where he came not to be served, but to serve. What things that are <coughs> particularly right for us, but maybe wrong for someone else, are we willing to give up for their sake? Because we want to honor him. And we live not selfishly, but unselfishly. Fifthly, it's caring for the lost. In Romans 15, it says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Which, which again, the idea of it's acceptable. And what's acceptable? To, to reach out to people that don't know Jesus. That's what's acceptable in God, God's eyes. When we live a life caring for the lost. We at Grace Hills Church uh, emphasize the idea of, of reaching out to your relational world. Those people in your oikos. Uh, the five to ten people that you know personally that don't know Jesus. And if we're not reaching out to them, that we're not leave, living a life of worship. Excuse me for a moment. I just want to let you know I'm, I'm drinking this by... By faith, because Eric is the one who gave me this cold. <laughs> Again, as you think about worship, it, it's, it's not just mystical. It comes to the point of surrendering your will. It's coming to that point. Here's, here's the clean water that I've... Uh, it's coming to that point where you, you really live a life of praise, giving God the credit rather than receiving your own or simply giving others the credit. It's coming to that place where you decide not to living for yourself but living unselfishly. It's coming to that point where you care for the loss. And it's also about, and on, on a Sunday in which we have an opportunity to look at what God has done and look at, ahead to what God has, has for us to do, it, it's about realizing that we have a life that needs to give. But look at what Paul said to the church at Philippi. Now you Philippians know that also from the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, 
you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Essentially, Paul, in a sense, he named names. You know, as, as I've been out on the mission field, and we have many people that, we've, that we support around this globe in terms of uh, their work around for the cause of Christ. He said, I just want to let you know, as, as I went out on the mission field, there were most churches that did not support me. But you, you uniquely were willing to sacrifice and give on behalf of the cause of Christ. And so as we think about worship, when we take offerings each Lord's Day, and as we have opportunity for people to give and support throughout the week in, in a financial way as well as through their own service, this is primarily and fundamentally an act of worship. Because it, it is saying God is so worthy of not only my life but the resources he's entrusted to me that I want to participate in this way in God's plan. Now, and I... I, I just want to thank all of you who are just faithfully support the, the giving uh, and the ministry of, of God's church through your, your offerings each, each week and in a faithful way. But if we, as we look at Christendom, particularly in America, th- there are many who, who have not seen this as a, as, a, as a part of who they are in their walk with God. They, they, they see it as, as one of the things they can either choose to participate in or not participate in. You know, in, 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 in across America, as people attend church regularly, do you know that, that one out of four people that, that come to worship in a church that they regularly attend, one out of four literally stopped at nothing? Meaning to say that throughout the year, they give absolutely nothing to the cause of Christ or their church. And at that point, you could say, well, maybe, maybe they, they, they sing more enthusiastically than the person next to them, and, and they, they think they're participating in worship, but if they're not giving, they miss the whole heart of the gospel. They're not worshiping. And, and for those who, who give it, it's interesting that, that there's the large percentage, I think it was way over half of the people who attend church, if you were to calculate the percentage of how much they give, they've, they've figured out it's about one-half of 1% of the resources God has given them. And then if you take everyone and you say, well, what, what, is, what, is, what are people in God's churches giving just as an average? And it's about 22 to 2.8%. It is said that maybe 20% of people who come to church support way over 80% of what gets done through the ministry of that institution that God and His Son has put together. And I would say with the Apostle Paul, God does not need our money. God will accomplish His plans, His ways, whether we participate or not. However, he long, as he wrote to the church in Philippi, I, I long for the benefit that comes to your account. Because as recorded in Acts chapter 26, it, as G, it, it is much more blessed to give than receive. It, it's much, much more 
an act of, of assigning value and worth to our Savior. When we participate in the greatest, greatest investment that anyone in this, on this planet can participate in, and that's investing in that which will last for eternity. So many people that claim to be followers of Christ spend way more money on their, on their internet plan, on their phones, on their cable TV, so much more than they do in the cause of Christ. We want to be a worshiping people that begins with surrendering. We want to be a worshiping people that really understand it's about praising God. We want to be a worshiping people that understand it's really all about caring for the lost and and understand that we are not to live selfishly, that we walk in the light. There are no jerks for Jesus. And we also want to be a people understand we have the privilege of giving. To show you that I can cut, it's also about praying. You can look at that passage there. God wants his people to, to speak to him about people before we speak to people about him. It's that privilege we have of of bringing other people's needs to the cause of Christ. And that's acceptable in his eyes. And then finally, eight, it's all about thanking and praising. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for such sacrifice God is well pleased. When we return thanks, when we praise him, That's acceptable in his eyes. It is well-pleasing to him. As we go on in 2014, we want to progressively be a more worshiping people. We want to give God acceptable worship that is pleasing in his eyes. We want to know who we're worshiping more than where we're worshiping. We want to understand what is worship. It's, It's bowing down before him. It's ascribing value to him. We want to be those people who know how to worship. It's, it begins with surrendering. It's about praising. It's about live, walking in the light. It's, it's about caring for the lost. It's not living selfishly. It's giving. It's praying. It's thanking God for who he is. What is God seeking in this world? He, he's seeking people who will worship him. I came across, uh, I think this this past week, uh, another new word that comes out of the Olympic uh, uh, events. And it, it, it really came to that point, and, and I was thinking as, as uh, Brandon was sharing this morning about go chasing a chariot. I really like that idea. And um, the words on this particular uh, new word uh, defines it this way and kind of asking some questions. Did you recently destroy a door? Did you rip open a package with Hulk-like strength? Did you demolish a cereal box? I mean, that's, sometimes I have a hard time opening those things. You ever do that? You break them and they don't, oh, okay, and they can't put them back together. Okay, well, if you've ever destroyed a cereal box, if you ever kind of had to break through a door, if you've ever had to break something open uh, and just made more of a mess than you did, you know, an accomplishment, well, then you've been quinning. Have you heard that? Have you heard the word quinning? Well, this was, uh, this was uh, made now famous. It's now had Twitter history, hashtag. 
It is in honor of Team USA bobsledder Johnny Quinn, who tore down a bathroom door in a Sochi hotel because he couldn't get out. Did anybody see that? Just ripped it apart. And he lived to tweet about it, and now he has posted it, and he's had way over 30,000 hits immediately. It's probably up to 300,000 by now. And it's a word that says, I'm not going to let anything keep me away from my intended purpose. I need to get out there and get on that bobsled to, 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 to try to get a medal for my country. Well, if, if a man would break open a door to get out of a hotel room, what would God's people do to, to get out, to live a life of worship? To express love in demonstrative ways that people can say, there, there goes a thankful person. There goes a person who lives unselfishly, not because that's just who they are, but because they've seen that in how their God treats them. There's a person that lives a life of giving, not looking to get. There's a person who, who is out there more desirous to love than be loved because they've already experienced the greatest love. This is, this, these are people who have fullness of joy even in the midst of so many things going wrong because they have ascribed wealth and worth and honor to a living God who's made a difference in them. God is calling his people to worship. We're going to close our service today taking one of these ways to worship, which is praising him through song. As we lift up our voices to the living God to express honor and love to him. Let's pray. Father, you've called us to be your people, to be your church, to live in a way that people can see Jesus in us. Not to have people be enamored with us, but for our God. Father, as we conclude our time together by way of expressing this through another genre, through worship and song, might this be an expression not only of our lips, but of our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name.